0: It's the Amazing Rico Bronya Podcast with your host, Evan Roberts.
2: All right, let's all take a deep breath together. You ready? One, two, three.
1: <sighs>
2: that sucked, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Rico Bronya. the New York Mets lose two games to the New York Yankees, they get swept by the New York Yankees, but before we get started, let's commend Pete Hoffman, he's at freaking Disney World, and we're recording this at one o'clock in the morning, did you have fun at the Magic Kingdom, Pete?
1: Um, for a majority of it, the last hour kinda blew, I'll put it that way, but yes, it was great.
2: <laughs> that sounds like the Mets season so far, it's been really, really enjoyable, but the last two games, they've blown. And look, <laughs> they've lost because they haven't hit. I mean, sometimes things are very, very basic. Uh, in the opener of this series against Domingo Herman, they did nothing against him. I mean, it was, it was so weird because clearly they had a game plan early on of hack against Domingo Herman, Swing early in the count. Against Domingo Herman. And from the time Starling Marte bounced into that double play second batter of the game, it was bing, 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 bing. They had an opportunity when Pete Alonso came up with two on and two out, and he bounced into a double play. This coincided with Max Scherzer having just a very mediocre performance. That's really what it was. Max was mediocre in the opener of this series. It was probably his worst performance as a Met which I guess is a compliment that your worst performance is going to be six and two-thirds innings, seven hits, four runs. He almost gave up two home runs to Aaron Judge. He gave up a couple of hits to Aaron Judge. Uh, But really, more so than Max, as much as maybe we expect Max to dominate every time he's out there, the Mets couldn't hit. They really couldn't. Outside of Daniel Vogelbach hitting that two-run bomb after the drop pop-up, the Mets offense did absolutely nothing. They did nothing against Domingo Herman for the most part. They did nothing against Marinaccio, and they really couldn't touch Jonathan Loisega. It was, I hate to say lifeless, because I think sometimes it becomes very easy and lazy for us as hosts or fans to say something's lazy because you don't hit. Just because you don't hit doesn't mean it's lazy, but I understand why it looks that way. And so in the first game of this series, they just didn't hit. In the second game of this series... They missed so many freaking opportunities. I mean, they, there were so many opportunities in this game against Frankie Montes, especially early. And then obviously late in this game, they had a golden opportunity with first and second, nobody out in the eighth inning. And Daniel Vogel back, who can't even move right now, bounces into a double play. Obviously, the end of the game was scintillating, I guess. The Mets giving you that two-out rally with two strikes on every single hitter. But the bottom line is they didn't hit. For two games against the New York Yankees, they did not hit. And it was frustrating. Everything about this was frustrating. Look, as Met fans, we don't want to lose to the New York Yankees. We have family members that are Yankee fans, we have coworkers that are Yankee fans, we have relatives that are Yankee fans. We don't want to lose to them. We don't want to lose to them like this, especially if you're a Met fan that was opening up your mouth before this series started. And I started to, and then I hesitated because I knew as a Met fan, this crap could happen. Number one, the Yankees are not a bad team. They were just playing bad for a while. (laughs) That's really what it was. So I said this after the Mets won the two games against the Yankees. So I'll say it after they lost two games against the Yankees. This sucks in the moment. And it, it will. It's going to suck tomorrow. It's going to suck the day after that. As soon as the Mets start playing their series against the Colorado Rockies, none of this matters. You have to move on. So much like when they won, I kind of felt the same way. It's great. We're having a good time. Enjoy yourself for two days. As soon as the schedule sort of restarts, the, the what happened against the Yankees doesn't really matter. So this is going to sting for a few days. You're going to get a lot of verbal insults come your way for a few days. I've already gotten them. I was at Yankee Stadium. I can't even repeat half the crap that was said to me. The Mets suck. You suck. They suck this object. You suck that object. I get it. There's a lot of sucking going on. That's what I learned. And by the way, this stuff was being said to me. My five-year-old was at the game. Dad, what does he mean by that? Yeah, I I don't want to get into it, Jet. Oh, my my favorite part, Hoff, is at the second game of this series, the finale. Uh, there's a Yankee fan behind me who's just piss drunk. And he's screaming, the Mets suck. Every time Jet hears someone say that, he just politely screams as loud as he can, let's go Mets. <laughs> this guy keeps responding. And I wanted to turn around and say, dude, are you really having a shouting match with a five-year-old? Like, Is this is this what you're doing? Yeah, he's screaming, let's go Mets. He's five. He's excited. You're screaming that the Mets suck objects. Like, whoa, what, are, <laughs> what is happening right now? But this is my fault. Why the hell did I take my kid to a freaking Subway Series game? Is beyond me. Two Subway Series games. One at Citi Field, now at Yankee Stadium. I got to stop with this crap. But look, seriously, I want everyone to take a deep breath. The New York Mets losing these two games to the New York Yankees is not the end of the world. It feels like it. If you're at the stadium, it feels that way. You don't want to lose games like this. You don't want to lose games in which Pete Alonso is dropping a freaking pop-up. You don't want to lose a game like that. You don't want to lose a game in which Oswaldo Cabrera is drawing a bases-loaded walk. You don't want to lose a game like that. You don't want to lose a game when Buck Showalter goes to Joely Rodriguez and he promptly, ahead of the count, gives up a base hit to aforementioned Oswaldo Cabrera. You don't want to lose a game like that. You don't want to lose a game when Andrew Benintendi slapped an RBI single and Aaron Judge is getting a huge RBI single as an insurance run. You don't want to lose a game like that. You don't want to lose a game in which the Yankees have nobody in their bullpen they trust, so they ride Clark Schmidt until the bases are loaded with two outs in the ninth inning and Wandy Peralta comes in and Francisco Lindor doesn't swing at one goddamn strike before he pops up the center field. You don't want to lose a game like that. But I want to give you something positive. And what's positive is nothing about the last two games, as bad as they've been, give me long-term concern. Like, I was getting tweets and DMs from people saying, this is the beginning of the collapse. We got to get this out of our mind. Like, baseball teams are sometimes going to play crappy for a few days. We have been spoiled in that the Mets don't play crappy for long stretches of time. Like, you could argue this stretch, this road trip that just concluded – was a very mediocre road trip. They went four and six. That's not good. I admit that. They lost three out of four to the Braves, a team we hate. They lost two games to the Yankees, a team we hate. And in the middle, they had great success against the Phillies, winning three out of four. But they haven't had long stretches of playing bad baseball. They just had a stretch, though, of two games against the Yankees in which they couldn't hit. And quite frankly, and I mean this with as much respect as I can to the Yankees, I don't think good pitching shut them down. I don't think Domingo Herman is that good. I don't think Marinaccio was that good. I don't think Loisaga is that good. I don't think uh, Frankie Montas is that good. They let him off the hook a million times. I don't think Clark Schmidt is that good. And I certainly don't think Wandy Peralta is that good. So I don't believe they were shut down by good pitching. I believe the Mets sucked for two days. That's what what I think happened. They didn't hit. Uh, I don't blame Joey Cora. To get to that moment for Starling Marte's RBI single when Cora sent Brett Beatty and he was thrown out the plate by a pretty good amount. And the reason I don't blame him is second and third, two outs, base it to right field. You got a rookie in right field. I don't mind forcing the Yankees to make a play. I don't. And I know you've got Lindor on deck, but I still force him to make a play. And in the Yankees' credit, Cabrera made the play. I I didn't look at that moment as a... Backbreaking moment for the Mets. The moment that killed him was Pete Alonso dropping a pop up, which somehow they didn't call an error. They called it a freaking base hit, which just pisses me off. Because look, I love Pete. Pete's been miserable for about two weeks now. And just because he breaks his bat after he strikes out and shows emotion doesn't make it okay. Like Pete Alonso offensively, has been very, very quiet. He did have two hits late in this game, and I give him credit for that because I think Pete has become a better all-around hitter. But the double play in game one, the drop pop-up, the foul pop-up on a 3-1 pitch with 2-1 and 1-out in the first inning. Like, he's had these big moments in this series in which he's come up small. It's okay. I I don't think he's going to collapse. I don't think this is the beginning of the end for Pete Alonso. I'm just being honest about what I've seen. And that drop pop-up is not just on Pete Alonso. That's on Starling Marte, and I guess a little bit Jeff McNeil, but mostly Starling Marte. Make the freaking play. You're the right fielder coming in. Catch the damn ball. Mistakes like that can't happen. They just can't. And look, how does that inning play out if Alonzo makes the play? I know Ben Benintendi got a base hit. Does the same thing happen? I don't know if the same thing happens. I'll tell you this, though. The fact that Buck Showalter has to trust Joeli Rodriguez in a tie game in the seventh inning is a problem. He's not any good. I know he's had some good moments, moments where even I've said, oh, wow, Joeli Rodriguez pitched well. Seth Lugo's one thing, and I give Seth credit. Seth came in, he strikes out Aaron Judge, he strikes, excuse me, strikes out Anthony Rizzo. I'm a little gassy, what do you want from me? Even though he walks Glaber Torres, throws the little wild pitch, stolen base in which he's not paying attention, Gets a big out of Josh Donaldson. Seth Lugo did the job. Good for him. There are moments where Seth Lugo pitches well. Joely Rodriguez in a tie game in the seventh and it can never happen. It can't. And it's a reminder that Billy Epler just didn't do enough to improve this bullpen. I'm sorry. I don't want to bring that up every time the bullpen falters. And I don't blame the bullpen squarely for this loss. Again, they did not hit. They scored two freaking runs against Frankie Montas, Clark Schmidt, the Peralta, and went two for 13 with runners in scoring position. That's why they lost. But still, Joely Rodriguez, Ty, came in the seventh inning? That's a problem. Adam Adovino was weird. He did strike out DJ, gave up a big hit to a guy who's going to win the MVP in the American League, and outside of that, pitched very, very well. But they did not hit. They couldn't buy a big hit. And that gets me to Daniel Vogelbach. Daniel Vogelbach is clearly hurt. Buck Showalter came clean about it the other day, saying he's battling a hamstring issue. We mentioned this on the Rico the other day, that when he doesn't score from second base on a Jeff McNeil base hit, eh, something seems off. Buck goes out with the trainer. Vogelbach says I'm fine. They pinch run for him later in the game. I love that Daniel Vogelbach is playing, even though he's not 100% and he still gives you that pop, and he still gives Pete Alonso a little bit of protection, and he did hit that home run the other day after the drop pop-up. But on that double play in the eighth inning, you have first and second, nobody out. The Mets offense is about to respond from that body blow in the bottom of the seventh. You get the first two guys on. Lindor draws that walk. Alonso, to his credit, as much as I killed him before, 0-2, ground ball and left field basic. Great job by Pete. You have two on and nobody out for Daniel Vogelbach. And he hits a ground ball to shortstop. That needs to be a fielder's choice. There should be first and third one out for Jeff McNeil. The human being can't move. And watching him run down the line and get thrown out by a lot on a ball that cannot be a double play makes you wonder, can you play him if he can't move? Buck Showalter made a little quip. He said, well... The good news is it's not hurting him from his strength or whatever the line was. Basically, he was saying he's a fat F who doesn't run anyway. He's a great hitter. It doesn't matter that he can't move. And in theory, Buck's right. In theory, Buck's right. But can you play a guy who literally can't move? Can you play a guy that in a situation like that, anything on the ground? I'm not even kidding. Anything on the ground is a double play because he's like a beached whale. He can't move. I I don't know, man. I think I got to sit him for a few days. Now, they're about to play the Colorado Rockies. Not that that matters. I mean, you got to win every freaking game anyway. But I think you got to rest the hamstring
0: a little bit.
2: He can't be in a situation in which if he hits the ball on the ground... No matter how soft, no matter where it is, it's a double play. That's a huge play in this game. because, And I can't predict that Jeff McNeil does the exact same thing if that turns out to be a fielder's choice. But McNeil hit the crap out of the ball in a right field. Cabrera made the play. Arguably, it's a sacrifice fly. It's just something different happens if Daniel Vogel back and move. Now, he also looked at a lot of fastballs right down the middle. He didn't have a great offensive day, so I think it's easier for me to pick on him. But you do have to make a tough decision. And that is, can you play a guy that's that hurt? I don't know, man. That's a, that's a tough one. It really is. But even after that, Jeff McNeil lines out. They put together that very exciting rally in the ninth inning, which was kind of hilarious because there's two outs and nobody on before you could even think too much. And Trev, uh, Tyler Naquin comes up, and I think he's behind an account 0 and 2 1-2. Everybody's on their feet. The drunk jackass behind me is singing New York, New York. And I, I say to my son, my wife, my father, all right, the game's over. Let's just let's get ready to leave. And I proceeded to say that 15 times in a row because Naquin draws a walk. Nimmo draws a 3-2 count before he gets an infield hit. Marte draws a walk. And I'm like, I got to keep saying the same things. I have to go with my superstition. And I do admit, because I'm sure somebody saw this and they'd repeat it anyway. Five different times I put my scorebook away because I thought the game was about to end. And I'm like, I'll remember the strikeout to end the game. I'll remember the pop-up to end the game. So I put my book away. Oh, wait, ball four. Let me take my book out. Oh, wait, infield hit by Brandon Nimmo. Let me take my book out. And the only positive about that whole thing was you could really feel the angst of Yankee fans every time the Mets put another guy on base. But even still, I I don't know why, and I'm not always a negative guy because there are some games I'll watch where I have a good feeling to it. Never did I think they were going to come back. Never. <laughs> you know, Lindor comes up. He's swinging at the first two pitches. Both of them out of the strike zone. Even the 0-2 line drive down the left field line, which... For a second, you're like, oh, maybe it's fair. I just, I never felt good about that final sequence. And yeah, the Mets showed fight. If you want to take a positive out of that, that's fine. The Mets have shown fight all year. I don't think you need to find the ninth inning of this game to say, well, wow, the Mets showed fight. The Mets have shown fight all year. They lost. Now, sometimes things are simple. They lost the freaking game
0: Ability to receive a quote depends on membership eligibility. Membership eligibility and product restrictions apply and are subject to change. USAA means United Services Automobile Association and its affiliates, San Antonio, Texas. The NFL regular season is wrapping up, but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Must be 21-plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER.
2: So, it sucked, man. And, And like I said last time on the Rico, these Brave games are huge because the standings are very, very tight. And so when I'm looking up at the scoreboard and I see that the Braves are up 5-1 to one and they're up 6-1 to one and the Pirates are just a bunch of lifeless losers, you know, hey, if we don't win this game, we're losing a game in the standings. And here we are. What bothers me the most as a Met fan is not losing two games to the New York Yankees. It's the fact that they've lost two games in the standings to the Atlanta Braves. Because here we are. Here we are. 79 and 46. An incredible record. 79 and 46. This is fantastic. They're about to enter, for the most part, a very soft part of their schedule. And yet, those bastards never lose. I did some math about the Atlanta Braves. And as I was adding this up, I got a headache because I said, no, this can't be real. Chris Christie called us up on the show today and said, Evan, the Braves don't win every single day. If they did, they'd be in first place. And I was like, I don't know if he's literally just trying to be very literal with me, that they don't win every single day. But, Governor, they win every single freaking day. And I know he doesn't listen to the Rico, but if someone sees him, they can repeat this stat to him. In the last 50 games they've played against teams not named the New York Mets, let's take the Met games out the head-to-head battles, the good and the bad, mostly good. The Mets won 4-5 to five against them. The Braves won 3 out of 4, and the Mets also had the 2 out of 3 series win. In the last 50 games the Braves have played against teams not named the Mets, they are 41-9. and nine. I couldn't believe that. I had to read that again. And by read that again, I mean count it up again, because I was the one counting it up. Because I know. I look at the scoreboard every day. Those bastards never lose. So I'm adding it up again. Oh my goodness, win, 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 win. Oh, loss, oh great. Win, 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 loss. Win, 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 win. 41-9 and in their last 50 games against teams not named the New York Mets. You would say, well, Evan, that's not sustainable. Don't worry about it. They're going to lose some games. And I would say to you, when is that going to happen? Because since really June 1st, the Atlanta Braves never, ever lose. They don't lose. They only lose if the Mets happen to play them and beat them. Not this past series, but before that. Like, they win the last two against the Pirates, two out of three against the Astros. They won all four games against the Marlins. They won two games against the Red Sox. They won a split against the Phillies, all three against the Diamondbacks, two or three against the Phillies, two or three against the Angels. That's just, it's the all-star break. Am I complaining? I guess it sounds that way. I'm marveling at their brilliance. Now, marveling at the fact that we got to deal with this. That if this was a normal universe, we would be frustrated by losing two two games to the Yankees, but say, yeah, we're still nine games up. It's all good. We're two games up. Now, the good news is, as we have touched on, the Mets, after a much-needed off day on Thursday, or Wednesday, I should say, enter a stretch of games outside of the Dodgers series where they are playing a lot of bad teams. And now it is on the backs of this Met team to just slaughter these bad teams because they're going to have to. Because I am so sick and tired of saying, well, don't worry. Eventually, the Braves will start to lose games. Will they? Because after they play the Cardinals this weekend, and I know that's a tough series, three games against the Cardinals, They play the Rockies, the Marlins, and the A's. That's who they play for the next eight games. Are they losing any of those games? (laughs) No. So, we've got a little over a month. The Dodgers series is going to be a toughie. Where the Mets are going to play a lot of bad teams. And that's great to say, and that's true, and it's on the schedule. But Hoff, they got to kill these bad teams. They got to win all of these games because the margin for error in the NL East has disappeared.
1: Listen, let me just take just rewind it for, for a second here, okay? Because I know that it was upsetting that the Mets lost these two games to the Yankees, but you know, I know that the Yankees were in a very bad situation and they needed these games more than anything else. They, Yankee fans were about to feel like a collapse was going to happen, and they still had an eight-game lead, and they were nervous as all hell. So this was very important. Not saying that the Mets didn't take it serious. I never say well it was a throwaway game, not anything like that at all. But I just don't think these games were as big as some other ones that are that have happened in the past. Like the, the Phillies game was bigger than the, this series. I feel like I, I, I'm not why? sure why. I, why? I don't. I don't, I don't know. agree with you. I don't oh, all know, these
2: games matter. They're they, two games up in the freaking
1: division. They do, but it's listen, but here's the thing, Ev, if if it mattered, if it mattered, why wasn't DeGrom starting today? Yeah, uh, on a game two. They didn't
2: lose this game because Jacob DeGrom didn't start. They lost this game because in two games against the Yankees, they scored 4 runs. In two games against the Yankees, they were 2 for 14 with runners in scoring position. They didn't hit Now, yeah, in theory, Jacob DeGrom could have thrown a shutout and the Mets could have won 2-0. Sure, Jake would have pitched six brilliant innings and then they would have needed nine outs from their bullpen. But they didn't hit. As far as why DeGrom didn't pitch, look, the games against the Rockies are also big. I'm not acting as if this game matters more than that. All of these games matter. Like the Mets are in a pennant race where every game they play equal in significance because they have no margin for error. So, DeGrom pitching on Thursday versus DeGrom pitching on Tuesday, I'm not getting nuts about because I am be, I'm willing to take a step back, realizing as much as I don't want to lose to the Yankees, Yankees, Rockies, Dodgers, Nationals, they all count the same. Like, I admit that. They all, if the Mets lose Thursday night to the Rockies, let's just say DeGrom's on the mat, I am going to be furious. That doesn't mean I'm going to panic, doesn't mean I'm going to throw things. But that loss may bother me more than the loss on Tuesday or Monday. Like, all of these games matter because they're in a pennant race. That's why I don't want to hear, well, this series mattered more to the Yankees. That's a bunch of crap. The Yankees are eight games up in the American League East. As as depressed as their fans may have been, I don't give a rat's ass about their fans. I really don't. I don't care. When we're on the fan, we're doing a show, we're talking to Yankee fans, fine. We'll talk to them about how they feel. This is Rico effing Bronia. Don't give a shit about how Yankee fans feel and how much they were panicking about their losing streak. I don't care. I care about us. How do you really feel? That's how I feel. I love it.
1: That's how I feel. Evan, listen. I I love it. I appreciate it. And I don't disagree. Every game does count. I've always, in the past few years, when people say, oh, this is a throwaway game, I always feel it's a cop-out because you can't throw away games, especially when you're a Mets, because in past, you really need those quote-unquote, throwaway games because they end up biting you in the ass. So I don't disagree. But on the other hand, I will say this. I'm not too worried about this weekend, these past two games. It was what it was. It wasn't ideal. The bullpen is always going to be an issue, and you just got to move forward. And you have to figure out, listen, here's the thing. is The good thing is we're getting closer to McGill coming back. We're getting close. Listen, I I, know it's stu- I I know it's stupid to say, but that's what we have to look forward to. We're getting closer to maybe Joey Lucchese being a left-handed bullpen arm. Oh, uh, but that's this what we have to
2: look. This is what we're relying on? That's
1: what we're relying on. Not Joey no, really Rodriguez.
2: I, I am, I don't want to <laughs> say I'm excited. I am looking forward to the possibility that Tyler McGill or Joey, uh, excuse me, Lucchese can help this bullpen. I'm not against it. I just can't rely on it. That's all I'm saying. I'm not against the idea of those guys coming back. I just can't rely on it. One thing I do want to touch on, though, Max Scherzer was pissed off at James McCann. And he tried to to clean it up. But here's the quote. Tim Healy had this from Newsday in which Scherzer showed emotion after the judge deep fly out. Not the home run, but the ball that we all thought was out. Scherzer says, quote, I thought we were going with a fastball. I thought we were trying to stay down there, Scherzer said. I'm in my leg kick and all of a sudden I see McCann pop up way high. We talked about it. I understand what he was thinking. We kind of talked about that. I just wasn't ready for it. It's not something we'll try, or I should say, it is something we'll try to adjust for so we're not in that situation again. Um, here, here are the facts, because I want to present the facts to you. Max Scherzer has made 23 starts with the New York Mets. Uh, I'm sorry, not 23. Uh, 18 starts with the New York Mets. One start with Patrick Mazika catching, four starts with James McCann catching, and 13 starts with Tomas Nito catching. In the Mazika game, he pitched five and two-thirds innings, one run, who cares? He's not on the team anymore, doesn't matter. In the four starts that James McCann has caught Max Scherzer, here were the four starts, in case you forgot. The game against the Yankees that he just caught, in which James McCann is jumping up and confusing Max Scherzer. Six and two-thirds innings, four runs. A loss. The other start was on August 17th against the Braves, that recent game. Six and a third innings, four runs. Hmm. July 5th, very good. Six innings, no runs. That was against the Reds. He got no decision. And the game in Philadelphia earlier this year when he gave up 10 hits in six innings and allowed three runs. Are you noticing a pattern here? Max Scherzer's performances when James McCann has caught him has not been good. It's only four starts, but three of the four starts were mediocre at best. When Tomas Nido has caught Max Scherzer, he has an ERA in 13 starts of 1.91. I don't usually make a big deal about a catcher's ERA, but when Max Scherzer brings up himself, the confusion that took place between him and James McCann, I think it makes things very obvious for us and for Buck Showalter, and that's Tomas Nito is the catcher for this team. He just is. Uh, James McCann has a nice arm behind the plate. And James McCann had a really good at-bat in the opener of this series that I thought could have been in the impetus of turning their offense around. A 12-pitch at-bat and then the base set off Domingo Herman's leg. But James McCann has not done enough to be the everyday catcher. Tomas Nito, while a 215 hitter, does lead the world and sacrifice bunts, including two of them, in Game 2 of this series. But he also calls a better game and has a better connection with just about everybody on this staff. That has to matter. So when Max Scherzer says, me and James talked, we won't let this happen again. Yeah, because he shouldn't catch you. So you shouldn't have to worry about it ever again. Tomas Nito should be the most of the time catcher for this baseball team. There's no everyday catcher in baseball because guys aren't going to play seven days a week. And I understand that. But the Mets are about to play four games against the Rockies. I'll make this very easy for everybody. Tomas Nito starts three of those four games. That's it. They play three games against the Dodgers, one of which is a four o'clock start. Tomas Nino should start every one of those games. Every one of them. They play three games against the Nationals. He should start two of three of those games. He should be the majority catcher for this baseball team. I am not the president of the Tomas Nino fan club. I get what he is as an offensive player. He's a 222 hitter with zero home runs and an OPS of like 570. He's nothing offensively, but he'll run into a big hit a hell of a lot more than James McCann, that's for sure. He knows how to lay down a sacrifice bunt, and you never hear about miscommunication between James McCann and the pitching staff. So let's get that out of the way. That ain't much of a debate. Tomas Nito's the everyday catcher. Now let me get to DeGrom. Hoffman seems to have a problem with the fact that Jacob DeGrom did not start game two of this series. I, did, I haven't yes. heard goes Oh, the pain podcast, but I am sure when Joe does it on Friday and you should check it out. We love Joe and me and him will be doing Saturdays together starting in the fall. Joe is going to just destroy Jacob the Grom. He hates him and that's fine. You present to me why this is a big freaking deal that Jake didn't make the start on Tuesday against the Yankees.
1: Oh, well, because it, it, to your level of every game is a big game right now in the division. If, if this was such a big game. The bigger game, the more important, is the Yankees because they're the better team. The Rockies are a team that I just don't trust. I think that they're, they're more of a layup in that way. You could put any pitcher that the Mets have and feel more comfortable. You could put Tywin Walker in a game versus the Rockies and we're good. The Yankees, it's a bigger spot, bigger place DeGrom needs a pitch on that game. That, that, that's just how it goes.
2: Okay. Uh, I will counter you and destroy you very easily with that, because that's fine. I understand your point. Oh, you. Uh What team is better, the L.A. Dodgers or the New York Yankees? Dodgers. Oh, they are. Okay. So, Jacob DeGrom is going to face the Rockies and the Dodgers. Under your plan, he would have faced the Yankees and the Rockies. He wouldn't have faced the L.A. Dodgers. Your counter.
1: Okay. That's fine, but I... <laughs> I I agree. I agree. I that that's fine. If you want to throw the Dodgers in there, but on the other hand too, you talk about hometown b- big, nah, big. Nah, nah, pictures. nah, nah. See now
2: you're gonna shift into the Subway <laughs> Series, and that's that's fine. Like if that's how you feel about the importance of Mets Yankees, no, that's fine, Pete. In all seriousness, if no, if your but, answer is I want to beat the New York Yankees, then just say it. But don't give me the better team crap because that's not true.
1: No, no, you're you're right. You're right. That's fine. But, but, but it's still – you're right. and if, if long scheme, you're right. If they, if they set up to play of the Dodgers, I understand that. But you're right. It, it's more look, the way the things
2: that- were going to go, if they started Jacob DeGrom on Tuesday on regular rest, coming off a 95-pitch game against the Braves, which, look, hopefully at some point throwing 95 pitches and then pitching on regular rest wouldn't be a big deal. But we are talking about a guy that's barely started over the last year. The way it would have worked if Jake started Tuesday night against the Yankees Assuming, and I do assume, they don't want to recall David Peterson or insert Trevor Williams into their rotation now when they've got multiple off days, is that DeGrom would have pitched Sunday against the Colorado Rockies. That's what would have happened. And then he would have missed the Dodgers series and pitched against the Washington Nationals. By pushing him back a day, which gives him actually two extra days of rest, not only have you reinserted Taiwan Walker, which we're going to need to do anyway, but you've given DeGrom two extra days, your premise of he's got to face good teams, well, the L.A. Dodgers are a damn good team. I mean, those are games that they have to win, not because they're trying to catch the Dodgers. That's not going to happen, nor should they want to. It's about you got to beat them. You're about to play them. And Jacob DeGrom would face them. Look, if the answer is simply, and I know is going to feel this way, and that's fine. If the answer is it's the Yankees and it's a bigger deal and I want to beat them, then that's fine. You can say it. But when you're looking at the grand scheme of things, you got to be smart with Jacob DeGrom. You just have to. The guy's barely pitched in the last year. And as much as I want to take all the bubble wrap off and pitch him every five days and let him throw 110 pitches, I don't think that's the way to get him ready for the postseason. Now, what's funny about the whole thing is Max Scherzer. Do you remember the whole tire and arm from Max Scherzer last year? The overcooked yeah. arm.
1: Okay. Yeah, he couldn't make the playoffs start. Yeah, he, he, was, he was cooked. Yeah, I remember.
2: His reasoning. Think about his reasoning for why he was cooked. Because they didn't pitch him enough down the stretch. How about that? Max mm-hmm. Scherzer explained this last year. That, remember, they had a shortened 2020 season. He had missed a little bit of time. And didn't feel like they pitched him enough down the stretch in 2021. So now it's playoff time. He's pitching out of the bullpen. He's pitching every five days. He didn't feel he was equipped because he didn't pitch enough. So Max Scherzer, in, and you trust Max Scherzer, we all do, is going to tell Buck Showalter, hey, I want to be ready for October, right? That's pretty important. And I was like, yeah, of course. I need to pitch every five days and I got to throw 100 pitches and I got to pitch because that's what works for me. That's what gets me ready for the rigors of October. So I know that's going to play into the narrative of how much of a tough guy Max is. And he is, he's a, he's a great pitcher. He's a hall of fame pitcher, but that's different than what's going to equip Jacob to ground for the playoffs right now, pitching Jake every five days and have him throw 105 pitches in which most of those pitches are 99 to 101 miles an hour. It's probably not best for him, but for Max, what's best for him is for him to pitch a lot. Number one, I find it fascinating. The dichotomy of the dichotomy, the dichotomy of the two great pitchers and how different they are. But I think with Jake, it's a reminder. We gotta be smart, and we can't get all pissy that Yankee fan B says, Oh, he's afraid of the smoke. Oh, he's afraid of the Yankees. Okay. He's afraid of the freaking Yankees. I'm sure. He's a he's afraid of Isaiah Conor-Falefa. He's afraid of Kyle Higashioka. He's afraid of us, Waldo Cabrera. He's f- afraid of Glaber Torres. Yes, Aaron Judge, very good. DJ LeMayu, very good. It's not about being afraid of anybody. It's about being smart. It's about understanding that we cannot have this guy get hurt Again. And the Mets have to handle him with care, as frustrating as it is. Have I convinced you? I think I convinced you.
1: Well, yeah, but, I mean, part of it, too, like, there you go. You say, like, you know, Scherzer needs to pitch on on you know consistently. He needs to pitch a lot. Meanwhile, DeGrom, on the other hand, you look at him, he doesn't really have that pedigree to go deep into a, a playoff because they're never in the playoffs. He doesn't really know what it's like. <laughs> and 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 typically, it feels like lately, it's, hey, more time off the better and just kind of backload him. Because that's what he needs to survive. I mean, it kind of sucks to say that. You're right. We have to handle him with kid gloves right now.
2: Right now. Right now we do. I think that come October, things are different. I do. And I think, especially in a contract year, the Mets are just going to go balls to the wall. And they're going to do whatever it takes to win. And I do think Jake will be that way too. Let's not forget what Jake did in the postseason in 2015. I know it's a long time ago. Seven years now. But the balls he showed in Game 5... The dominance he had in Game 1 of that first-round series against the Dodgers. He pitched very well in the NLCS. If you remember the World Series game, I certainly do, Game 2 of the World Series, he threw four no-hit innings and then imploded in the fifth inning. I think he just ran out of gas. I think that was him with his overcooked arm or what have you. And remember, he had a full season that year. He threw a ton of innings that year. So it's been a long time, but I try to never forget how great he was during that postseason in 2015. Look, here's what what everything means now. The Mets get a much-needed off day on Wednesday. They get an off day on Monday. They are about to play an insanely soft part of their schedule, and they've got to take advantage of it. For the most part, the Mets have done a very good job of doing that. They played the Cincinnati Reds uh, about a week and a half ago, and they annihilated them in that three-game series. When they played the Washington Nationals in Washington, they won two out of three. When they played the Marlins in Miami, they won all three games. When they went to Chicago after an emotional Brave series, they won three out of four. For the most part, they have done a really good job of beating these bad teams. They're going to have to start doing that again. Because this schedule, yes, it's very soft, but I really believe that... You're going to have to win so often to hold off these bastards from Atlanta. Because they're great. They really are. They're the defending world champions. And I think at times, some of my fellow Met fan brethren doesn't give them enough respect for who they are and what they're doing right now. They have been the best team in the world since June 1st. They've been incredible. For about a three-month period, they very, very rarely lose. And so the Mets have a two-game lead which is better than not having a lead. But to maintain it, it means you got four games against the Rockies. I know winning all four is probably maybe, maybe it's asking too much. I don't know. Win three out of four. When you play the Nationals next weekend at City Field, win all three. When you go to Pittsburgh first week of September, win all three. When you go to Miami, win two out of three. When you play three against the Cubs at City Field, win all three. When you play four against the Pirates at City Field, this is literally their schedule. Think about all these teams they're about to play. Four against the Rockies. Three against the Dodgers will be tricky. Three against the Nationals, last place team. Three against the Pirates, terrible team. Three against the Marlins, historically bad offensive team. Uh, Three against the Cubs, they suck. Four against Pittsburgh, they suck. A lot of bad teams.
1: Here's my one problem, and this is, Ev, you know this better than anybody else. These teams suck. They're gonna make call-ups though in September, and this is the time to just punch the Mets in the dick. This is what the, this <laughs> is this is what happens. Because this is not me being negative, but I'm not Tommy freaking Luke sitting there being like, "Oh, this is what happens to the Mets." No, 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 no. But I will say this much: it, you cannot go into these series and think that it's gonna be easy because these te- they they're out of it. Rockies are out of it. The Pirates are out of it. Cubs are out of it. You have a bullseye now on your back because they want to do whatever they can to knock you knock you down a peg. It's, it happens. No, no that, every that's fine.
2: Year. That's fine. But I, I want to give this Med team credit for this. They have shown us no indication that they're going to go into a series against the Rockies or a series against the Nationals with their eye not on the ball. I mean, they have done a great job, especially after emotional series of not letting down. So I know what the history of this franchise has shown us, but this team is different. And I think we have to acknowledge that. And even after losing two straight to the Yankees, as depressing as that may be, I actually go in with confidence. I want to make that clear to my fellow Met fans. I am not portraying any kind of negativity. The only negativity I have is something we can't control, which is that the Braves are awesome. (laughs) I mean, which is, which is not a negative Met comment. Like, In a normal world, the Mets are 10 games up right now. We're all cruising to a National League Eastern Division championship. But this isn't a normal world. This is similar in some ways to what the Dodgers and Giants went through last year. They had two teams win over 100 games. And unfortunately, your booty prize, booby prize, in not winning the division is you got to deal with a wild card series. Last year it was a wild card game. Now it's a wild card series. And I don't want to deal with it doesn't mean the Mets can't win it. doesn't mean we wouldn't be confident going into a best of three against the Phillies or even the Padres, as well as the Padres, have played against the Mets this year. But no one wants to deal with it. I don't want to deal with it. By the way, great line from Buck, who does a, a fine job of taking shots at everybody, like the other teams, not us. Took a shot at the Braves recently when he was asked about the ice cream machine that the Braves got for winning three out of four against the Mets. And he says, really? What'd they lose when we took four to five against them? So, Buck was asked about the atmosphere at Yankee Stadium for these two games. And it was a great atmosphere. He said, almost as good as the ones at City Field. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Little tiny, itsy bitsy shots. It was a great atmosphere. The Subway Series always provides that. I thought there were a great amount of Met fans in the building. Unfortunately, we lost. You know, we're losers. We have to take that L. We've got to be humble about it. The Yankees beat us. And hopefully for our sake, and I guess for their sake, we'll meet again. That'd be great. Because it means we're in the World Series. That's what it means. F them and whoever the Mets play. If we meet again, that means we're in the World Series. Anything I miss, Hoff?
1: Uh, I'm trying to think. I mean, uh, again, I unfortunately have not seen any of the games this past weekend. Oh, this past weekend. Jeez. This week Uh, But I mean I guess Judge killing us That sucked Jolie coming in In spectacular fashion That sucked I I think that's kind of it I think you nailed it I mean I I saw some Some heat Just with the hot dog Situation At the Yankee Stadium Oh whatever Somebody
2: drinking a beer With a hot dog Who cares Would you do that? that. I I would try anything once So I'm not gonna I'm not poo-pooing it I just think the whole thing Was orchestrated I think it was all planned and orchestrated is what I'm convinced of. I don't really care.
1: Okay, well, okay. so how about this, though? Uh, realistically, though, you're a Med fan. It sucks. C-Mac being in the spotlight after game one with the strikeout. Luke Gower there. what, what was I didn't hear your response to, today to that on air. Did you talk about Well, that it
2: perfectly time? exemplified how we all felt. I mean, Big Mac represented the giddy, happy Yankee fan. And Luke Gower, Lugie, represented the bewildered med fan. Yeah, that's that's what that was. <laughs> that's, that's how we all felt for two days. But the beautiful thing is we all get to move on. The Yankee fan deserves their time in the sun. They won, just like when the Mets beat the Yankees a month ago. And by Thursday night, they go to Oakland. We take on the Rockies. We go our separate ways. And good luck to them in winning the American League East. They certainly should. And hopefully we win the National League East. That That's it. I, I got to deal with my ass whooping. Uh, for one day, and then that's it. Because even after that, people move on. The Yankee fan moves on. Look, overall, there was a split in the Subway Series. But for the next couple of days, we as Met fans have to own it. We take RL. Hopefully, though, we get the last laugh.
1: Uh, there was some interesting news, by the way. I did miss it. The fact that I believe Escobar coming back, that he'll be the backup shortstop, which means uh, Beatty has that third base job. And they'll they'll call. I think I think that's what they're talking about. That they they who they bring in from the was it uh, Lopez or?
2: Well, some, they've got they've got a couple of moves to make. They're going to have to bring up a pitcher at some point because right now they only have a four man rotation unless Trevor Williams enters the rotation. But I do think at some point David Peterson gets recalled and gets the fifth spot in the rotation. Carlos Carrasco could be back though. I think the timeline is a little bit longer than that. Right now, they're carrying three catchers. It's tough because Perez, <laughs> Perez. I don't want to say he's better than James McCann, but I think right now as Met fans, we're all kind of done with James McCann. They are not going to DFA James McCann. It's not going to happen. So Perez will eventually go back down to the minor leagues. Escobar will be activated. Yomar Sanchez, you still kind of want around because, look, Lindor's going to play shortstop all the time. I think Escobar as a backup is more in case of emergency. If they ever need someone to play more shortstop than that, Yomar Sanchez is going to play more. Uh, I also think that Escobar has a big role as a defensive replacement for Brett Beatty because I don't think Beatty is solid enough where you want him out there defensively. So I think once Escobar is back, he'll probably also play against left-handers at third base. Uh, I think Beatty will sit. Beatty, Beatty should still play. He did have a better offensive day in the finale of this series. He had the catcher's interference, also had a base hit. But he's still you know, it's hitting 140. Let's all be honest about it. So I think roster-wise, uh, the third catcher will go away. They'll have to replace the pitcher and call up a starter. And yeah, I guess uh, Escobar is your emergency shortstop, which is fine. I mean, how often does Luis Guillermo even need to play shortstop? Because Lindor basically plays every single game. I do think that in this Rocky series, you may see some of the non-off-day guys get an off-day. Starling Marte never gets an off-day. Francisco Lindor never gets an off-day. Pete Alonso never gets an off-day. Brandon Nimmo very rarely gets an off-day. I would venture to think against the Rockies. uh, Even though they do have an off-day on Monday, Buck may try to buy one of these guys an off-day. Because I give Buck credit. He runs those same four guys out every single day. We'll keep an eye on the roster. Hopefully, Carlos Carrasco comes back quick. And the Mets could go another week without using a fifth starter. Because they have the off day on Thursday. And they have the off day on Monday. So, not until the Washington series next weekend, Labor Day weekend, do the Mets have to bring in a fifth starter. And then remember, September 1st, extra guy on the roster. Extra two guys on the roster, if I'm not mistaken. I think it's 28-man rosters now. They don't expand to 40 anymore, but they do expand to 28. So that makes the roster crunch thing a little bit easier, um, knowing you've got the two extra roster spots to play with. We'll have another Rico coming up after the Rocky series, uh, and hopefully things go well. But for the next two days, lick our wounds. The Yankees kicked our ass. You enjoy Disney World, Pete. I'll be back with Craig 2 o'clock every single day this week. Thank you for listening to Rico Bronya.